The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Reforming Business Podcast. Join Gary and Nathan as they reignite your passion for God and business. Thanks for joining us. This is the Reforming Business Podcast, a weekly show in which we interview Christian leaders on issues of the marketplace, economics, agriculture, really driving around the issues of Christians in business ownership. We want to equip you to effectively reform the marketplace in the United States of America and around the world. This is Gary Morris. And this is Nathan Brackenridge. And you are listening to Business Matters, a podcast to help Christians think about how to do business. And in fact, that's a big subject. So with that in mind, Nathan, what would you say that this podcast is going to do? Well, hopefully, by God's grace, we will we'll do like you said, Gary, help Christians, um, help them think about their businesses, think about um, their life with God and what that means for their work, their family, uh, their vocations, and, and just help people think biblically when it comes to business. Right, right. Yeah, and I think we both heard it a bunch over the years. Uh, we Everyone has a view of business that's very separate from their spiritual life. Yeah. And so one thing that we're attempting to do here is try to make those dots connect, to try to see that we're not simply by pursuing success in business forsaking ministry that's right right, right. that's a a gnostic dichotomy right. as i heard it's called yeah. where you separate the physical or matter from mm-hmm. spiritual meaning mm-hmm. this over here is secular work that business somehow by nature is secular and that my church life and, and ministering to others is spiritual. Right. When God has right. called us to serve him in all areas of life. Right. And so a fruit that we're kind of hoping for for a podcast like this would be that Christians would begin to see their responsibility within the culture, specifically when it comes to business. Whether you're an employee or an employer. That you would see that the Bible has tension when it comes to your responsibility as individuals in how you conduct yourself in business. And so there's a couple ways that we want to look at that. One is that you would do it well. And today we see that there's a lot of Christians that are either employees or employers, but they're doing business in such a way as to make it not distinctively Christian. And by that, I don't mean they're just tagging everything with John 3.16 or trying to smuggle right. in a Bible verse on their business card, <laughs> but they're actually not doing a good job. Right. And why do you think doing a quality job is Christian? Because it's what God has called us to do. Yeah. Um, if God wanted me to be anywhere else or doing anything else, I would be. Right. But providentially speaking, I am where I am and I'm doing what he's called me to do. And that means I need to do it with excellence. Right. I need to do what the Word of God says, work as unto the Lord. Right. Yep. And so basically, that's what we're here to do. We're here to help you go from point A to point B, to take a look at what work looks like Monday morning, and to actually not call what God has called good work and use that as something to call a curse. Because as long as you're calling what God has called good a curse, you're not going to be fruitful in it. 
You're not going to enjoy your relationship with God in it. And you're not going to steward it well. Mm. Both will come back to unfruitfulness. And we want Christians to be fruitful in business. So listen up in the weeks to come as we get more into what this means. And we'll be back right after this. We're back, and where we left off last time was we were discussing, or we just referred to at the tail end there, the issue of the curse and how we view that the implications of the curse are work. That one of the one of the results of the curse, and Nathan, you and I have both been brought up in this kind of thing. Um, if we don't say it, we think it. That actually going to work has been a part of the fall, and that's far from the truth. Why? Yeah, definitely if we don't say it or think it, we feel it. Right. That somehow the labor and the toil is is a curse. Mm-hmm. When when you look actually what God's Word says, you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in the Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And they jump down to verse 15, And the Lord took... The man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it, or the ESV says to work it, which I like better. So basically, work is pre-fall. Mm-hmm. It happened before the fall. It mm-hmm. was part of what God called good, mm-hmm. and then rested. Right. That God Himself planted a garden eastward of Eden, and then put Adam into that garden to work, mm-hmm. and that was Adam's service unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. And much like our work mm-hmm. today, where mm-hmm. God places us, that's where we serve him. Mm-hmm. And the Bible calls us to serve the Lord with gladness. Right. And some of the fruit of that is to actually see that God has placed us, placed Adam in this context very specifically, in a very uh, important location within the garden. And he asked him to till the garden, to care for the garden. Mm-hmm. So to take what the Lord had already provided for Adam... And to actually shape it, to be creative with it. So God is to provide the canvas, all the colors, and then Adam was to be artistic with it, to do it well. Now, we want to make sure that, you know, a lot of Christians today can get too far on the artistic side to where they only view things in terms of selfish artistic forms. To where the the end goal is just so something would be beautiful. But that's not the only goal. The end goal is to be to, to glorify the Lord. And so to make something that just looks beautiful but serves no purpose is not really what we're aiming at for. What we want to see is we want to have a high view of the culture that the Lord has placed us in. And so that, yeah, someone can make a beautiful house in the middle of nowhere that no one will ever see and say, look at how I've glorified the Lord. But we know that God is intuitively working with people and groups of people and so that's why work needs to be involved with the lives of individuals so the people that you go to work with tomorrow let's say whatever day this is for you that you hear this podcast and you walk in there the people that god has chosen to be within 
arm's distance from you are not by accident. Right. They're not part of the curse. God is not angry at you. God is not intentionally putting you in a, in a difficult work environment to no end. Of course you can go work by yourself, but what good is that? You know, if you're completely distant from individuals. Right. I, I tell you what used to make me uh, miserable about work is when I only considered work as a means to gain income. Right. When yep. it was just about paying the bills. Right. But if I am actually called to, first of all, love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and my neighbor as myself, then work takes on a new meaning. It's about loving my neighbor. It's about right. those I Sacrificial. serve. Sacrificial. Yeah. Right. It's not just about how much money I can get and then go home. Right. Um, how did I minister to those people right. that I am servicing? Which means when I do get the paycheck, what that paycheck doesn't end with me either. Right. Right. The whole purpose of that is to glorify him. Exactly. Through service and sacrifice. Right. And these are these are things, foundations that God is already laying. Right. Just like in Genesis, God planted the garden. He didn't tell Adam, go plant a garden right. and then work it. Right. God planted it. Right. He laid the, the foundation and the framework right. and then put Adam in there. Right. And so in the same way, work, um, our ethics, our attitude, the, the earth yeah. itself. Right. And the very purpose of work is, is God's design. It's not something outside of God's design. Right. That would make work or business self-originating or mm-hmm. secular by nature. And like mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier, nothing is of itself. God created all things and right. all concepts. Right. And and that gets to the heart of some of the issues. What drives me crazy is having been in, for instance, business management for now over 14 years, I've seen people look at business in such a way as to think it is only there for a nine to five and work, you know, the, the phrase working for the weekend. Right. And they just, they take this, this stewardship of Monday through Friday and literally throw it to the ground. Right. I used to think that right. when I first became a Christian, I actually used those words. Right. I don't feel I'm supposed to be a nine to five person. Right. I'm supposed to serve God somehow. Right. And, and right there, even before I even knew theology, right. I had this dichotomy, this separation right. between yeah. physical, material things yep. and serving God. Right. Rather than seeing I'm a steward of Everything right. he gives me. Right. And, you know, going to Acts 17, 26, where, where we read, For one man, he created all nations from one man, of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place. And one thing that, that is very difficult to get into people's mind is that your joy in work will not come from your next job. Right. If you if you're trying to find if you have come to the the point in your job to where you hate it, the key is not just to find another job. The key is to find out what is the Lord teaching you. Now, I'm not saying that you don't need to look for another job. I'm not saying that you can't be mistreated in the job that you have now. But people could be mistreated in a lot of situations that don't result in viewing the very thing that God has called you to this allotted time and period as if he's not involved in it right it's it's an intended purpose so people that are trying to look for the grass being greener on the other side end up just as frustrated and you know and and i've seen this over and over it's called the the three-year curse Hmm. the first year they love the job second year it's okay the third year they're overlooked they're mistreated and they hate the job 
And that process is repeated over and over for the rest of their life because they've made work their God. Yeah. And they've looked at God and said, why have you done this to me? Right. Instead of looking at God and saying, God, you have placed me in this position. Mm -hmm. How can this serve your kingdom? How can I take this in a more offensive view? You know, not defensive, not everything's coming at me, but how can I look at my job today in such a way as to say, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a slave here. I can actually do something with this, but it's going to cost some sweat. Right. And you're, and you're right now, you're probably speaking to employer and employee. Absolutely. Because I've been both. Yep. And unfortunately, I felt that way in both positions. Yeah. Um, when my mind wasn't right, when I wasn't in the word of thinking this way. And, and understand, we're not just talking about tagging a Christian um, verse or, or a theme or something like that to your work life and just saying, okay, I'm a Christian, so I have to endure this with a, a joyful attitude. Right. Whether you're an employer or an employee, I think it's important to know that, like you just said, you're there for a purpose. But it's just not, you're, I mean, we're not talking about evangelism. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, you're working with these people to witness with them only. Right. That business, right. that work you're doing is a part of the culture you live in. Right. Thinking about that with the mm-hmm. Christian worldview in mind, mm-hmm. other than the fact that, you know, you just get to share Christ with a few mm-hmm. co-workers mm-hmm. is important. Yeah. And in fact, you've seen that we've done this. We've seen this where we view in terms of evangelism. It's it's always a means to an end when we would grab our gospel tracks and go out there and share the right. gospel. Praise God for for those of our brothers and sisters who do that on a regular basis. And we all need to do that more. Yeah. But at the same time, what we need to be doing more is availing ourselves to what God has entrusted into us. Starting with our with our home and then working out to our local community. And not just look at when it comes to evangelism, it was always how can I get the gospel to this person? But it was never about the totality of the individual I was talking to. In other words, I was never thinking, how can I invite this person into my life and spend the next five years discipling them, Mm -hmm. 10 years, or the rest of my life, if the Lord wills. It was always, how do I make this five-minute conversation get to my end and then use them so that I would feel satisfied? Right. But we do that with business. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Same with evangelism. We got to get that notch in our belt. We got to just get through the Mm -hmm. five-minute gospel, you know presentation mm-hmm. and then basically ignore them the rest of our our time there right right <laughs> and know? if i go home i haven't shared the gospel with a client or with an employee or as an employee with my employer it's been an unfruitful day yeah as if god has left the earth and he takes no pleasure in the work that you provided but that's completely antithetical to scripture yeah and yet that's the way we look at it yeah. So when we're talking about the curse, you need to have a, a, a more robust view of what work is. And in fact, in Isaiah 520, the prophet says, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. If you go to work on Monday and you hate your job, you're working out of faithlessness. You don't believe that God has intended you to be there for a purpose. But the job of a Christian is to repent, to look at our job in a different way, to see it as the way that God sees it. So that the hands of my employer or the hands of my employees are not going to secure my joy, but the Lord is. And so look at work in a different way. 
Look at your job not as a curse. Wake up and begin to view it in such a way as to think about it in terms of excellence, not simply servanthood. And that's going to conclude our segment on the curse, and we'll be back right after this. All right, welcome back. This is Business Matters, where we discuss ways to help people think about business, both biblically and as a blessing. We left off on the last segment talking basically about the fact that we need to rethink the way we view business. The business is not a curse. The mentality that says, uh, I work for the weekends or Monday through Friday are out the door or any of those kind of things are things that don't line up with God's view of business. And we've all been there. We all know how that feels. And the reality is that we need to have a corrective course of action. And part of that is recognizing that if I view work in a way that's unbiblical, I have to realign the way that I view work with God's word. And so that's what we want to do. I want to start with Colossians chapter 3. And here we read, the Apostle Paul says, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So right there we see one thing that's very distinctive about Christians when it comes to the workplace. That if you're an employee, and this is specifically where we're going to make this applicable to, if you're an employee at a workplace, don't work in such a way as to only be an eye server, to where only when you're looked at, a people pleaser, but as what? Bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Now here the Apostle Paul is making the connection between serving God and serving work. And that you can actually be obeying God by being a bondservant of Christ to do the will of God from your heart. And we miss that. We miss that all the time. I think two ways to remember that is that first of all, understanding God's sovereignty. That he has placed you mm-hmm. in that job, in that vocation, whether you are the boss, whether you're a worker, mm-hmm. this is where you are. You mm-hmm. are where you are, and God has put you there. Right. And also remembering that you are always in God's presence, mm-hmm. and that God is giving you the work to do, and he's there. Mm-hmm. And, he, and whether you're in the sight of your employer or not, you are in the sight of your God and your king. The, your, your true king, your true employer. Right. <laughs> He's giving you that work to do. And right. so you want to do it with all your might. You want to do it with a joyful heart. Right. And that's the fuel right there. You want to ask, okay, well, I, I'm beginning to look at this and say, I need to do this differently. I need to view this differently. So how do I put feet on that? Mm-hmm. Well, the next verse says, render service with a good will. Mm-hmm. Render service with a good will. Maybe you're not perfect at being a mechanic. Maybe you're not the best plumber. Maybe you're not the best guy, rich man. Maybe you're not the best investor. Maybe you're not the best at whatever it is that you do. But you have to start with a clean conscience. The reformers right. were very big with protecting and coming back to the reality that your conscience has got to be clean before the Lord. Yeah. And once you start there, you can begin to work out from there. So how do you do that? You render to your employer the very best work that you know you can do. Now, will it be the best in the world? No, it probably won't be. But in your own conscience, you know that you worked as hard as you possibly could 
before you turn that in, right. before you you know you work out from there. Exactly. I think the gospel plays a big part of that mm-hmm. because it gives you the fuel. It gives me the fuel and the motivation to serve God with a joyful heart, right. knowing that even though I'm struggling or I may not like my job, just thinking about the fact that my sins are gone, mm-hmm. I can't help but be joyful. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm preaching right. the gospel to myself and I'm focusing uh, on Christ in that way, mm-hmm. then I'm serving him. And like you mentioned earlier, if you go home and have you not witnessed anyone mm-hmm. thinking you failed that day, mm-hmm. You're saying that God only cares about that. Right. That he doesn't care about all the other things. He doesn't care that you're you're slipping behind your boss's back and taking more breaks than you should. Right. Like God just doesn't care about anything but the spiritual. Right. And that's just not true. Right. And, God is concerned right. with all of that. Because the reality is, let's say we all quit our jobs and decide to pass out Bibles tomorrow. Right. What's the first problem we're going to come up to? We're going to run out of Bibles. Yeah. And the second problem we're going to come up to is we don't have any money to buy any others. Yeah. And so if we begin to separate this in such a way as to see work as evil, then we have to see everything that work produces as evil as well. Right. Which puts us in a, in a bind. Right. Or, takes, or not as important. Or not as important. Or a waste of your time. Right. Right. And so following Paul's argument here, he says, render service with good will to who? Who are we to render service to? Well, he says, as to the Lord and not to man. And that's kind of where we can miss the boat here. We can render the best job we could to our employer. But the question is, are we rendering the best possible service we can to the Lord? Because the goal for a Christian, again, is not to seek different crafty ways to evangelize in the workplace. And that's that's not a bad thing. That's not something to look down on. Uh, Always have the gospel in mind. You've been transformed by the gospel. We have been renewed by the preaching of the gospel. And it's by the proclamation of the gospel that men are saved. But in addition to that, we need to also see the fact that we are to render our services to the Lord. To one, you got a hundred bosses you know, I was talking to someone the other day and they said, you know, I just got so many things on my plate. You know, I feel like my my employer is is on top of me all the time. And I have this to do and I have that to do and I have this other thing to do. And the list was 20, you know, 20 yeah. points long. But the reality is you have to bring it down to one. You have one boss. You have the Lord. Right. Start there. You know, you're looking at 20 different things, but start with the reality that you have one person that you need to be seeking to please with a good conscience, and that's God. Right. And that frees you, because then you know whatever happens around the corner isn't your fault. I mean, it's your fault if you're not rendering the service to the Lord, and you're doing a poor job. And you're blaming the fact that work is a curse and you hate the people that you work with and you have a bad view of employment. And then, of course, we say, well, God, why? (laughs) You know, at that point. Yeah, we blame you. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also important, again, going back to understand that God in his sovereignty, he's our supplier. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons why I, I know I'm not, I don't get on this bandwagon, but when asked, you know, what do you think about gambling? My simple answer is every dollar comes from God. I'm not going to take even one and throw it to the wind. So anyway, understand that God is my supplier. And, you know, humanly speaking, if the owner of your company 
was in the building that day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how you feel about your manager mm-hmm. <laughs> or the guy above you. Mm-hmm. You're going to be working extra hard right. because the owner, the, the big man is watching you. Right. And, 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 and spiritually speaking, God is always watching us. Right. He's always looking at his children and giving us according to our labor. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me of a verse I just uh, found. Proverbs 14.23 says, In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. And that, it's that first part that I wanted to touch on, in all toil. And I think as American Christians, we are born with this idea that if it hurts, it's bad. Right. That if, that if I have to work hard, then I have to work even harder to get away from that. Right. And we run for comfort. Right. But the Bible doesn't right. teach that at all. Or the goal is easiness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah just to ease, to, to get to the top of the ladder and coast. Right. Or retire. Yeah, exactly. Right. And we're not looking at it as Christians saying, no, we're here to work. Right. And and sometimes work hard right. because the paycheck is not the end goal. End goal, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and so we could tell, you know, the issues that come forth from that are, are manifold. For instance, going yeah. back to the gambling issue, I understand that there are different arguments in terms of what's entertainment, what's throwing your money to the wind, right? Right. But when it comes to something, like some people will say, going to the casino or going to the movie theater, it's all throwing, it's all entertainment, right? Well, the thing is, are you buying the lie that the gamble industry is, is selling? They're peddling a lie. That lie is that you can get rich quick and just ease off. And if you buy this ticket, you can be a $100 million you know, receiver next week, right. and now it's just ease. Right. It's just let the money flow, and now life is good. Right. And so the end goal that the world is trying to push, specifically with that verse and in the gambling industry, is that the goal of life is to not work. Right, exactly. Right. And if that's your goal, you're going to be miserable your whole life because that's the very thing God has called you to do. Right. You'll never be happy unless you're doing that. Right. Right. And that's another thing that we we have an issue here in this country is the welfare state where they Mm -hmm. want to take what God has commanded and turn it on its head and say, if you don't work, we'll still pay you. Right. And basically those who do not work shall not eat. Guess what? You get to eat in abundance because... The government, the state will take care of you. Absolutely. <clears throat> and and when it comes, like you said, the gambling issue again, I understand the argument as far as entertainment goes. But when I spend a dollar or two on something I'm going to be entertained with, whether it's a movie or whatever, I'm getting immediately what I pay for. Mm-hmm. If I buy a ticket, there's no guarantee I'm going to get anything back. Mm-hmm. And so that's just how I view that as far mm-hmm. as the dollar goes. And, yeah. And it yeah. being uh, from God to me. Yeah. So um, this is kind of just a primer of what we're aiming at here. We want us to see that work is a blessing. Let me finish out this this verse that I was going for here in the book of Ephesians. Render service with goodwill as to the Lord and not to man. Verse 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. Now, it's key to see that the Lord actually blesses faithfulness. And now I know that we're in this new evangelical call to gospel onlyism, yeah. as if that's the end goal. Just preach. It's our individual salvation, and that's, that's as far as we need to go. So, of course, work is tabled because all life is about is just getting one individual saved, as if that has no cultural ramifications. Right. Well, what happens? Right. Say you are working with uh, Joe, 
yeah. and you win Joe to Christ. Right. Does the gospel have any more implications? Right. Other than the fact that he's not forgiven. Right. Now Does just Joe pray. now become yeah. a harder worker? Right. Does he now provide better for his family? Right. Does he impact your culture now differently as a Christian? Right. Yes. It goes and, beyond just right. his soul salvation. Absolutely. And what does that mean for you? If Joe's the only guy you're working for, you know, or working with, mm-hmm. and you win Joe to Christ, now what? What's the point of going to work? Because you only see Joe. Right. You know? And so we have to we have to begin to see that the Bible is a big, thick book. And we've heard Bojanar Marinoff talk about this. Yes. Yeah. That it's not just one verse. It's not just one page. Yeah, what do you say? The gospel is big because the Bible's big. Exactly. And so because the Bible is a big book, we see that economics mm-hmm. and employment and... And uh, the job have all implications that are drawn out of the application of Scripture. Yeah. And if you see that the only purpose in your life is to win people to Christ, well, then you miss the faithfulness that you owe to the Lord for having saved you. Right. And the implications of your salvation in your immediate context, hmm. starting with your family. Right. You know, because you... you you don't go to you don't go to work and say, "Well, this I've been saved, and now my work has no ramifications for my family." Right. You know it does, right. but you only go that far because you've been saved by an individualistic gospel. It only affects the people that get my paycheck, and so you only take it to the four walls of your house, and you don't look at the ramifications that you have now or can produce through faithful obedience to the Lord. Right. What it comes down to for me is. Seeing that I'm a husband, Mm -hmm. I'm a father, we have a home, and I have a business, Mm -hmm. and I have a church. Mm -hmm. And I must look at those areas of my life and say, okay, Lord, how do you want me to conduct myself in all these areas from your word? Right. As a young believer, I wanted to do everything. I wanted to go to Africa. I wanted to dig wells, be a missionary. And it just, I had to just look at my life and say, you know what? I'm not in Africa because God didn't put me in Africa. Right. I'm here in Michigan. Right. You know, I have this business, this wife, these children, this church. What do I do, God? And where do I find that in your word? Yeah. And I think that can apply to every single one of us. Absolutely. And in fact, you see the Apostle Paul doing this very thing. Because he doesn't say to the bondservant, be saved, repent, and trust in Christ. No, he goes on to tell him how to conduct himself. He ends this chapter, well, he ends verse this section in verses, uh, verse 9. He says, masters, he doesn't say masters believe the gospel. He's talking to Christians. Mm-hmm. So these are the ramifications of the gospel. Nor does he say bondservant try to sneak away. Right, right. <laughs> He's speaking about where you are. Right where you are. So he says, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both the master and yours, both their master and yours, is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Hmm. And so the Apostle Paul takes the ramifications of the gospel, and he doesn't make it an individual gospel. He says this has ramifications for you in the workplace and as employers, this has ramifications for you as well in the workplace because the gospel is about all of life. 
And so that's what we want to encourage you to think about. We want you to be encouraged to think about work in such a way as to where it is a blessing, it is fruitful, it is not a curse, and there's much work to be done. And so we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. And uh, this is Gary Morris. Nathan, where can they find more about you at? What, what website? If they're in Michigan and they need your services. Uh, well, you can find us at experiencedwindowcleaning.com. Or you can look me up on Facebook at Nathan Brackenridge. And you can find me at graftedindesign.com. And on Facebook, I believe it's under Redeemedography. Okay, we're back, and basically we wanted to wrap up the segment on verse 9 in Ephesians where he says, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. So we've just given you a vision for your employees, and that's really what we're directing this towards. We want employers, business owners, Christian business owners to have a a thoroughly entrenched view of the Bible to where they can see the goal for the employees that the Lord had trusted them to. The Lord has placed within your care a family, more than likely, but in addition to that, a staff. And that staff is part of your stewardship as well. And so what we want is we want your employees to be free from this mentality that's been peddled to them that work is a miserable curse. And so if you want to pass this podcast along and you want to help them if they're Christians, this would be the perfect thing to give to them. But what do you do if they're not Christians? Well, we have to go back to this verse. Masters, do the same to them. Stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. So obviously this is in the context of slaves and slave masters. But really the principle here is to not usurp your authority over the Lord. To not assume that you don't serve anyone. You're accountable to God. No matter what, to what degree of authority you have over an individual, you're not God. And as business owners, we mess this up. Yeah. We mess this up all the time. And you have to have the direct principle that you actually answer to somebody. Even if you don't. Even if you think you don't, you do. Exactly. And so that's what we want you to know. Yep, and we are. We want to encourage you that you're primarily, first and foremost, Christian. Yep. Then business owners. Right. That means you love your employees as you love yourself. Right. You're not just serving them; you're serving their wives and their children. Right. And as a Christian, we are salt and light. Right. We are to impact a culture around us with the means that God gives us. And as Christian business owners. You are impacting the culture with your business, not just your service, but your ethics and the gospel. Yeah. And it goes beyond just your position, just your income, just your future. And it goes beyond just making sure you do your taxes right. Yeah. You know, it's this, every every area. Right. Right. And so a lot of times we'll think as Christian business owners, as long as we have done our finances in an ethical way. Right. Or that we attempt to respond to complaints in a way that's that's uh, gentle. We've applied all of the Bible to all of our business. Right. You have so much more to do. So if you're beginning to get exhausted, if you're beginning to see that the wheels are moving, this machine called business is going somewhere, mm-hmm. but you're tired, you're exhausted. This is year five. 
year 10, year 20, and you've begun to lose the vision, or maybe you've never had the vision, yeah. of what the purpose of your business is. Would Adam have lost his vision had he never fallen? I don't think so. Of course not. Will Christ ever lose his vision? No, because the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And so the earth is God's. And because the earth is God's, this is exactly what he's come to do. He's come to redeem the culture, and he does that primarily through the outworking of his people. And more than we, met, more than we know, mm -hmm. through the outworking of his people in business. I don't know if we should see such a huge difference between Adam and ourselves when it comes to this concept. That Adam was put in a garden to work. Right. That he was put there to serve the Lord. Right. And was distracted. Right. And fell. Right. Every day we have the opportunity as Christian business owners. Absolutely. In this world that what you just quoted, the, the earth is the Lord. <laughs> Say right. that again. The earth is the, the Lord and the fullness thereof. Yeah. This is God's world. He has placed us in it to yep. work and to yep. serve him. Every single day we have opportunity to be distracted. Yeah to be drawn to something that looks more appealing, to, to bite right. onto the lie yep. that rest is better yep. than work. Yep. And we can't believe that lie. Right. And we have to keep our heart and our mind focused on God. Yep. And you could do this. You're a business owner. You're, you're laboring. You're working hard. We, we both know that you do not work nine to five. We are we are both here to, to recognize this is close to a 24-hour-a-day thing. Yeah. Enjoy your Sabbath. Rest. Make it a point to prep for that day and truly, truly rest. But then get back to work on Monday knowing that it's time to serve God. Yeah. That my rest is in Christ. But just because my rest is in Christ doesn't mean my work ceases. But yeah. my work is to point to Him. My pastor, he defined um, rest this way, this morning actually. He says that God created six days and on the seventh day he rested, looking back on what he did and called it good. And he says we should be able to work six days and on our Sabbath look back and say it was good. Yep. Amen. So let's do that. Let that be your end goal. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and if you work Saturday, Saturday, make that your end goal. Look back next week and say, with all of your heart, a clean conscience, that it was good. This is Business Matters, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for listening to Reconstructionist Radio and the Reforming Business Podcast with Gary and Nathan. May you glorify God in all of your business dealings. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows 
or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.